Welcome to Tamra Talk Circular, the podcast that delves into the world of the circular economy. I'm your host, Mitu Monan. In this episode, I'm going to start with a quote from Kofi Annan, former Secretary General of the UN. And he said, the world is reaching the tipping point beyond which climate change may become irreversible. If this happens, we risk denying present and future generations the right to a healthy and sustainable planet. The whole of humanity stands to lose. I think it's safe to say Mr. Anand is not the only person who has this sentiment. Fortunately, the world has woken up to the urgency of this crisis and we are seeing collaboration like never before. The question is, can we get there fast enough? Basically, and we've heard this before on the earlier episodes of this program, it's my generation that is responsible for the situation that we're in. Fortunately, it's the next generation who have been loudly and rightly demanding solutions that has made us take notice, so my generation again, and accelerate efforts to slow the tide of climate change. Those are exactly the generational perspectives that we want to talk about today. Joining me are a mother and son duo representing two different generations to discuss their thoughts on climate change and the circular economy. Helena Dreisig, Senior Vice President and Head of People and Organization of the Food Division at Tomra, and her son, Sebastian, 18 years old, studying biology at the Free University of Brussels. They obviously know one another quite well, and this conversation is most likely going to be a memorable one. A warm welcome to both of you. Thank you very much, Mito. Great you. being here. So, Helena, let's start with you. As a mother from the, let's call it the older generation, let's start with climate change and how you see it affecting our lives. I was going to say it's, it's been daily. And when I was preparing for this speech, I was kind of thinking back, when was the first time that I really started to realize the impacts of climate change and what it meant for us? And, and the memory that came to mind was driving from Belgium to Denmark and having my father talk about the acid rains and how it was going to ruin the forest all over. And that was kind of this first realization of the world around us was going to change, that it was going to change because of what we had done and the way we were living. And at that time, I had a feeling of complete despair in terms of not being able to do anything. How were we going to get our, ourselves out of that? So that was my personal first you know, realization around it. And then today, of course, it's, it's, it's all over. But that memory was really you know, something that, that burned in and gave a sense of we're going to have to change things. And how old were you there, Helena, when you took this drive? Approximately. We're not going to date you now. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, I must have been like seven, eight. So it was really, and you know, the, my dad was explaining how the trees were just going to be without leaves. So you were imagining, you really would see it being burnt away type of thing. So it's been a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sebastian, um, you're the younger generation that we have in this conversation right. today. And as an 18-year-old, how do you see things? Uh, well, for all generation, it's like... So climate change problems has always been there for us. Like we were born with it and for us, yeah. it was always there. Um, but I don't think that it's just a responsibility of the 
of the other generation because we are also living a life of luxury. Like I can take planes, yeah. I can go to holidays. I have a house with electricity and so much. So it's also our responsibility for the climate change because uh, our luxury of way of living has a cost and an impact on the climate change. So I think that your generation needs to work on it, but also us, because we are also living this way of luxury that costs on this planet. And so it always has uh, been something that you are talking about, because uh, in my bi biology class, there isn't a week where we don't talk about it, because uh, our studies end with, we took no knowledge that we need to try to solve it. It's, it's interesting how aware you are of also the impact that your generation is having. It's, it's not something that I come across often, so I, I am very appreciative of your reflections. Thank you for that. Um, and I guess, were you, have you been aware of this sort of all along, or is this, uh, is this something you think about generally? Uh, yeah, for, I'm trying always to do like little things that can help. Like, I don't know, buy second clothes, trying to take public transport, like just little things, but that make me feel good, actually. And yeah, we always talk about that in primary schools. Uh, we were already talking about it, like our teachers already talking about the smelting of icebergs and so much. So you were also in a school where already at at that time, we were not allowed to bring any uh, plastic into the school. Okay. The drink had to be in, in drinking bottles. Yeah. We weren't allowed to give like, you know, sneakers or, or yeah, chocolates or whatever. Box. Yeah, everything had to be, uh, all the disposable had to be avoided and taken care of and the school was not accepting anything. So it was quite forward looking school from that perspective. Yeah, I think, but it's uh, really fast in every school. It started mm -hmm. after that, like yeah. some years after I graduated, yeah. so small weapons. Yeah, so it, uh, to be honest, Sebastian, it would be. It seems like we need more schools like this, and I, uh, I think if we had been thinking about things the way you and and your generation are thinking about things, maybe we would not have been in this situation to begin with, and. Unfortunately, we wouldn't be having this this episode, which I, maybe it's fortunate or unfortunate. So I'm I'm really glad to to see how aware you are of things. And then, uh, as someone who's lived through different economic models, do you think the transition to a circular economy can actually be achieved? I think it has to be achieved. So I think it's one of those, you know, we, we, we don't have uh, a choice. P part of the reflections and part of the discussions we've also had in, in preparation to this is, and I even say it often around Tomra, if you, you look at where Tomra has the, the biggest presence and, and the most today is in mature countries. So the more mature you get, the more you can afford to be concerned about the environment. When you're just struggling to find food, environment is not the highest on the agenda even though you're most likely to be in the areas that are the hardest hit yeah absolutely you know it's it's a bit of this you're actually sitting in the trouble but you can't afford to think about it whereas you know we're looking at the problem and we yeah. have to afford to think about it type of thing and to be fair it's it's us it's actually those who are not probably being most impacted by exactly. it that has actually brought us to this situation. So it's, one could almost say, maybe it's our responsibility to, to be looking at it. 
I absolutely think it is. Um, and again, I, I, I looked at Denmark. It's quite interesting in terms of negative footprint. We're number three. We've just really? got Qatar and Saudi Arabia kind of ahead of us. And then Denmark comes in, which was a surprise for me. Yeah. I believe it ties down to is this notion of, you know, indeed, it's the richer you are, even though you're very conscious about how you spend, you're still using more resources to keep up that style of life. Um, so it will be something where we have gotten us there. And I think it's quite natural for people to want to to get, you know, out of the poverty that they're in. So we should anticipate that we're going to have more consumption coming up uh, with the populations we have. And indeed, our generation or our countries, because this is not a generation, are going to have to be paying a lot more to support the change and the shift because we have been benefiting from it and we still benefit from it today. So I think solidarity is going to be absolutely critical. Yeah, I think also to like the world needs to work together yeah. to solve it. I, I agree. This and we've been seeing collaboration across um, different industries, but also across the across countries. If we look at the UNEP, so United Nations Environmental Program, the efforts that they are have in place now um, with the INCs coming up, um, and really looking at a binding agreement to handle plastic pollution. Of course, plastic is not the only problem we have, but we have to start somewhere. It's probably the biggest problem we have, and that's what they've chosen to tackle first. So I think you do see this collaboration happening, um, again, within industries or across industries, but also across countries. I think so. And, and fortunately, in, uh, I think we're going to be pressed to see more about it, probably going to be more impacted around the immigration. And then you always get back to you, and those are kind of the, the bigger governmental problems that, that you entrust to, to brighter and, and uh, stronger individuals. And then we've been talking a lot about the, you know, what we can do in no, terms okay. of, and, and it has to be all the <clears throat> triggers that, that are leveraged. I know you're an anti, uh, you don't want a car. So he's, yeah. I, I remember when I was you know, turning 18, the first thing you wanted was your driver's license. That yep. was, you know, it was part of freedom and it was part of, you know, what you wanted was to get a driver's license. And we've been trying to convince him to get one. I have the same issue with my ch my sons. Yeah, but I'm living in the city, so uh, that's what they say. The fact that I don't need it, of course, for yeah. someone that doesn't live in the city, it's more uh, needed a car. But for me, it isn't. All my friends are here. I have public transport, so five minutes uh, walking. So. But I also lived in the city, and I still believe that you know the car was the right of an 18-year-old was to have a driver's license. So things are changing. Um, Sebastian, what are some of the other things that you're you're doing? Uh, other things that I'm doing, I'm trying more and more to buy second-hand clothes. That's really good. So and there's also a bit of fashion behind because like uh, now it's it became a bit of fashion of buying second-hand clothes and so much. So there's also something uh, with my generation about that. I try not to take the plane, like mm. and so on. And like I say, public transport more possible. Like if I want to go uh, to the sea, I will try to take the train and not a car. Yeah. Um, and then just like stupid little things, like always turning off uh, the lights in the house when you're yeah. in the room. And I'm also going behind my family for that. <laughs> it doesn't sound so stupid to me, to be honest, Sebastian. It sounds to be quite intelligent and quite wise. 
it's funny sometimes between the engineers and the kind of more imperialistic. So we have an engineer in, in the house or more of a mathematical mindset. They're very much on calculating, you know, how much are we spending um, in terms of, you know, all the, all the lights have been changed out to LED. We've got automatic, the radiators shift off the moment we hit the 19 degrees. So we've put it a little bit lower from a savings perspective. But the moment you hit that, all radiators shift, turn off, even if you're not in the room. So really trying to control it. And then you have the very, you know, empirical Sebastian that would, you know, on top of that will follow everyone going, you didn't switch off your light. You didn't switch Pick off. It. It's my favorite activity. Yeah. Just going, yeah, just going to <laughs> turn every light off. And the other thing that we do kind of collectively is we chase each other from showering time. We, we, you know, anyone who showers yeah. too long, we make fun of them. Especially the little brother. Yeah, especially the small brother. He, he struggles. So he's 13 and getting into that moment where it's very important to, to you know, ah, yes. look. Yes. So we have him on a tight time schedule on showers. Yeah. Well, I hope you're not leaving anyone in the dark. Bathtubs. We got rid of all the bathtubs. So it's, it's small. It's tiny things. Yeah. Um, and then on the food, we try to have very much on... We only buy, um, so we buy very little packaged or processed food. Everything, it tends to be fresh and then make sure that you basically don't waste it. So, uh, yeah, and we can always go a bit more further and try to like eat less meat. Yeah. So that's the, and that's what uh, we were already discussing yeah. about it, I think. So we're, we're starting to look at, we haven't done it yet. So I'll be honest and I'm in the food industry, um, but it, the, the cultural change in, and here I'm going to take the Belgian meat is very high in terms of importance. In, um, so we're really pushing to go towards, you know, alternative ways and then having not cutting it out completely. That's our family choice. Um, but to have it something which is going to become rare in, in what we uh, eat on a daily basis. And the one you don't like is to get rid of rice because you're a huge rice fan. Yeah, and this is, you know, when you actually lo start looking into details, rice is not good either from an environment yeah. footprint. So I yeah. think the discussions we have as well has been very conscious around what we do and, and, you know, making all the efforts you can to cut everything out. And if you do do something which is not good, you should be aware of it and the impact it has. So listening to you two, Helena, I'd like to understand, and Sebastian, I know you will chime in, how much impact have, has, or have, or at least has this one son, uh, Sebastian, uh, on you, on, on the way you're thinking about things like this? <laughs> or is it the food industry working in, working for Tomra the way you do? What, what has impacted you and, and helped you understand and actually act on some of these thoughts? I'd say he keeps me honest. Uh-huh. I used to work in the mining industry and became responsible okay. for sustainability, which was a trigger to move towards Tomra. So, so I think, you know, from a, a professional point of view, sustainability has been increasing uh, and becoming a lot more uh, predominant in my reflections. And with that, both Sebastian and, and Pierre, who's the, the middle one, tease me because I'm like so committed from a professional, they make sure that everything we do at home is captured. So, so I'd say it's really this notion of keeping you honest, and that's both on the environment, also on things like diversity, equity, inclusion. So it's really the, you keep me honest. Yeah. So what how, you how difficult has that been, Sebastian? 
No, but just in a family, it's like it's always easier to change things like when there are other people around you because they are, you are helping each other mm. progress. So it's always easier to like stop eating less meat when there are other people that are doing it with, with mm. you. It's like when you want to stop smoking, you always ask a friend to stop with you. Sure. Or when you don't, you want to make sport, you ask someone. It's like having people with you motivates you. I think you have pleasure also in catching me when I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, <it'll be. laughs> yeah. yeah, what child doesn't? So yeah, that's yeah. Clear. It's very good. Okay, it's uh, it's really great to see the generations coming together. I really, uh, this is something that I don't see often. Um, so it's good to see, Sebastian, that you are pushing. And Helena, it's great to see that you are listening and actually acting and, and respecting what Sebastian is saying. I think communication and actually working together, Sebastian, as you've said, working together towards this common goal, that's what's going to make a difference in the end. So thank you both for that. As we, as we wrap this up for today, um, I'd like to hear a final message from each one of you. Elena, what would you like to say to your son and his generation about the circular economy and or climate change? I think it is this keep us honest and, you know, c continue to, to push us to make the right investments now to, to be ready for when they grow up, that they can really leverage and, and get the fruit of those changes. Okay. Sebastian, same question for you. The other way around, obviously. It's also, so like I said, our responsibility. So uh, we also want to help in that. In my opinion, I don't talk uh, for everyone. Naturally, and that's we. Uh, I know that we can try to work together, and it's like the little changes that will make it better. And changes will be difficult, but like if everyone does it, it's easier. Maybe, and and we discussed it. If I may, me too. Sure, sure. We spoke that we didn't feel it was a divide. We're transitioning, uh -huh. and in that we had this discussion around the importance of. Again, holding each other honest, but also the solidarity. And I think that is also going to apply beyond our family and beyond our, you know, geographies. Yeah. Very nice. Nice word, solidarity. Um, I think we need to see more of that, not only on this, this particular topic, but on many others as well that are is challenging the world today. So thank you both for sharing your insights and experiences. It's been Sincerely, a true pleasure having you on Tamara Talk Circular. Thank you. Thank you, me too. And thank you, Sebastian. Thank you, Mom. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to Tamara Talk Circular. Remember, the circular economy is not just a concept. It's a collective journey towards a greener, more sustainable world. Join us next time for more exciting conversations on circular living, like we've heard today, to be honest. Until then... Stay eco-conscious.